you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 25 this morning, I want to read some scripture from 1 Samuel 25. Please continue to pray for me as I, as I mentioned. I need, you to, need your prayers to uh, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and pray the Lord to bless us. A few weeks ago, I spoke to you on what I call the Hallmark Channel series that spoke that dealt specifically with young sisters, young ladies who were looking for a spouse. And of course, I said this and I say it again, just because we're speaking on some specific subject like that doesn't mean those that are not in that category check out. No, those that are not in that category ought to be praying harder for me or whoever's speaking to help it make sense to those that are in that category. And furthermore, it's one of those situations where it doesn't matter what category we're speaking to, there's always lessons from the Word of God to learn. I find that again and again. And so this is going to be called the Action and Adventure series. <laughs> we can't do Hallmark Channel series for the guys. I'm sorry. You know, they just they check out immediately like I do. <laughs> this is the Action and Adventure series. And this is for the young men who are, may be searching for a spouse. This is for young men, regardless of whether they're searching for a spouse, uh, they need to understand these qualities. This is for men of all ages. <laughs> who need to have these qualities and need to repent if we don't have these qualities. So as we begin this action and adventure series, I'm going to read a portion of scripture, probably a little longer than we normally read, but I want to get the whole setting before you. And the name of this sermon today, the first in this series, is being a knight or a knave. Being a knight or a knave. And if that word knave throws you, it's an old English word, that has an absolute connection and significance to the two characters that we're going to look at here this morning because it's where the word comes from. So let's begin reading in 1 Samuel 25. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in the house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal, which, as a side note as we're reading, that's where the word nave comes from. It's believed that, that it comes from Nabal, and you'll see the significance of that in a moment. The name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. That would be a cousin of David, by the way. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. That's the future king, by the way. <laughs> and thus shall ye say to him that liveth, liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, peace to thy house, peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. 
the situation that we have before us is sort of a dichotomy. It's sort of opposites of a knight who is David, like a knight. (laughs) And then you have Nabal, who is a knave. It means to be a fool or to be, and I'm not trying to be crass. This is just the definition. It means to be stupid or an idiot. Okay, that's, that's the classic definition of Nabal. I'm not going to use that word because some of you mamas don't like it, and I don't like it either. <laughs> Both of those words. But just to give you the definition, that's what it means. You say, well, how could this guy who's so rich and has so many possessions be that type of person? Well, he is, let me tell you. And there's a lot of people in the world that are like that. Now, I want you to see, especially to the young men, that there's at least three qualities that are absolutely mandatory for a young man if he's going to be successful, not just in life, but if he's going to be a successful husband. There's at least three qualities. And again, these qualities apply whether you're a husband or whether you're just an individual, a young man, a middle-aged man, older man, whatever. But those three qualities would be to work, to worship, and to have wisdom. Now, there's other qualities. There's some elements that go in there uh, that some side note elements that definitely need to be addressed. But those are three primary qualities. If you're searching for a spouse, for a wife, those are absolute necessities. A young man needs to be able to work so that he can provide. A young man needs to be able to know what it means to worship. And a young man needs to have wisdom, which there's a lot involved with wisdom. It means not only being, uh, not only being teachable, but it also means being reachable. Okay? So, well, you, well the, the uh, air went off as quiet as a mouse in here. You can hear a pin drop on the carpet in here. <laughs> Y'all pray for me that we can certainly make sense of this and that it would make sense to our young men and to our, all of, of us of all ages. Now, David is the knight in this situation. Nabal is the knave and The definition of the word Nabal, it has a bunch of definitions. It means to be doggish or to be like a cur, to be snarling, to be surly, to be snappish, to be a cynic. (laughs) That's something, isn't it? That's a lot of bad stuff, isn't it? The, The actual word Nabal has a root in the word dog, which means like a snarling, barking dog. Now, you may be thinking, what were these parents thinking naming their son Nabal? Well, there's been some conjecture about that. It could be that, you know, they named him Nabal and maybe it had a different meaning at the time, but it came to mean this through this guy being like he was. Or this could be his nickname that everybody called him behind his back. You understand? And that's another significant characteristic of the knave or the fool like Nabal. There's things that people say about him that he is clueless about. He has no idea because he's, he's a fool, you see? You think about that. Well, you've heard about this person. Yeah, that person will blow their top. Or you've got to watch that person. Don't let yourself be around that person. You know, you don't, those things are not said directly to that person, you see? So maybe it's just they refer to him as a nickname of Nabal. He's a fool. But let me tell you something. You don't want to be this person. Man or woman, boy or girl, you don't want to be this clueless person, no matter how much money he has. And also, it made me think of the verse of Scripture over in the book of Hebrews, where the Lord says through the Apostle Paul, 
He says, be careful to entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unawares. You know, Nabal completely flunked that test. <laughs> you know, here is the anointed king sending his, his primary men to him, his best men. And they're not coming in a terrible way or a raucous way or some kind of demanding way. You know, they're just coming to share in the joy and the wealth of this particular time frame, which was sheep shearing time. When I thought of sheep shearing, I thought of sheep sharing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a time of sharing, not just shearing sheep, but it's a time of sharing. It was a joyful, festive time where everybody should have been rejoicing. And look at Nabal. He's, he's blowing it. I mean, he's just completely losing it. I've often referred to Nabal as the Scrooge of the Old Testament. If y'all have ever seen the Christmas story, you know, the Charles Dickens Christmas story, uh, you got Scrooge in there. If you've ever seen a movie of that, I love, the. I, I could watch all of them, but my favorite is the Muppets. <laughs> I like the Muppet Christmas Carol the best, <laughs> but none of, my, none of my guys seem to like it, so I have to watch it by myself, but it's my favorite. So anyway, you got this snarling, angry guy who's always got this snarl on his face, you know, never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Nabal is the Scrooge of the Old Testament. And I wish that I could tell you that the ending of Nabal was like Ebenezer Scrooge's ending, but it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. But in Psalm 14 and 1, where it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The word fool is the root word for Nabal. So when you see the word fool in the scripture, you can associate that with this man, Nabal. And yet he was a very successful businessman. The word Nabal also means dolt. And it comes from a root word, not in addition to dog. It, it can also mean disgrace. Nabal was a cousin of David's. Now, some of you here in the congregation are cousins and you're, or your relatives in some way, related somehow. And we're all in the family of God. It's the Lord's got a family. The Lord's got the body of Christ. But some of you experience family relations in a different way. It might be through marriage. It might be through uh, you know, your ancestors. Of course, it's through your ancestors. But you understand you have maybe a family connection. And you know, if, if a family member, if a church member comes and says, you know, I need help, you, you would not hesitate to help them. And even maybe one step further, if a family member who you, you had known all of your life came to ask for help, I don't think you would hesitate to help them. This guy is a cousin of David. He's of the house of Caleb. Remember, Caleb was the one that came in the promised land and, and said, I want the mountain. You know, he was 85 years old and he said, the Lord promised me the mountain. I'm going to take that mountain. Well, this is a descendant, probably three, four, maybe five generations down from Caleb. But this man is nothing like Caleb. It says that he was very great. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Maybe y'all think of Job. who had He had more than that. But listen, this guy's a millionaire. He's a millionaire in terms of how we would see his possessions today. He didn't, may not have had the cash money to count out, which, by the way, what is cash money today anyway, right? It's just monopoly money. He had the, he had the, the, fun, uh, he had the uh, goods. He had the sheep. He had the goats. He had the goods. He had the land. See, he was a true millionaire. It didn't matter for this guy if the stock market rose or fell. <laughs> he didn't have, there wasn't a stock market. He had the land, and he had the possessions. He's a millionaire. Some of you mamas and daddies may be saying, oh, I hope my child marries a millionaire. You better hope she or, she or he doesn't marry a millionaire like this. Now, all the money in the world is not worth living in the nightmare that this poor Abigail is living in. And yet still, she is shining as a light in the world. Praise God. That's a testimony to the grace of God, is it not? 
It says in verse 3, the man's name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish. That word churlish means severe, harsh, cruel, hard-hearted, and evil in his doings. This means he was a cutthroat businessman. He didn't care who he stepped on to get to the top. He was just on his way to the top. Climbing that corporate ladder, he had knocked anybody off that he could. Don't get in, don't get in Nabal's way. And he climbed to the top, you see. And the setting that you have here is the sheep shearing time. As I've already told you, this was a sharing time. This is where they were supposed to have joy and festive things going on. And there's been some conjecture about, you know, David sending men to beg or some say, well, he demanded. He didn't demand. If he demanded, he just took what he wanted anytime he wanted to in the wilderness. So he didn't take a thing from Nabal, sheep, he actually protected his flocks while his men were living out in the wilderness. Now, the, the very distant background here is David is out there on the run from Saul. He's living in the wilderness. He's living in the caves. As a matter of fact, just a couple chapters before, or maybe one chapter before, is where David encountered Saul in the cave, and his men encouraged him to kill Saul. And he wouldn't kill him. He just cut the skirt off of his, a uh, piece off of his uh, robe, and he went out there and confronted Saul with it. He said, I could have killed you. There's a lot going on in David's life. He's on the run, and they don't have regular supplies. So what does David do? He, he Instead of pillaging and plundering like a pirate, you know, he just goes and he asks, would you please show us some kindness? This is a day of feasting. This is a day of rejoicing. This is a day of festive joy. <laughs> you know, if somebody wants me to help them, you know, it's, it's probably not a good time to come and ask me to help them after I've paid my monthly bills because there might not hardly be anything left. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I can help you or not. I don't know if there's enough here. But we're in a, a good time, or maybe before the bills are paid, and I see how much money's going you know, down the drain, so to speak. It'd be a good time. So, can, I, can you help me? Oh, sure, sure, sure. This is a good time. This is before the bills are paid. This is when they're counting up all the abundance. They're shearing the sheep. They're, they have people on hand. They have the shearers on hand. They have tents set up. They have a, This is probably two or three weeks worth of work going on here. Think about how long it would take to shear 3,000 sheep. It's a lot of work going on. So they've got all this sheep, all of this wool piled up, and they've got all these things going on here. And so that David sends in an opportune time for help. And notice what he says. He doesn't demand anything. He just says, remember, ask your men. We didn't hurt anybody. We, we were just helping them out there. We protected them because, see, there would be pirates and plunderers and marauders out there and, and vagabonds and highwaymen who would try to grab ten sheep from Nabal's flock, which you know he couldn't stand, or get some of his goats as he, they were wandering out with their shepherds through the wilderness, you see, on the fields out there near this area where he lived or where his possessions were. And so they just come and say, hey, we just want to share in, what, in the joy. And by the way, this is just a day's worth of whatever they took in, which, you know, if they were three weeks or four weeks doing this, you can imagine this was just probably less than a tenth of what they would take in. Y'all please don't check that math out because I'm probably way off. But I've been known to be off on the math. But this would have been a small percentage of what they were taking in. And so... You can imagine those men standing around there and they're rejoicing and, and shearing the sheep, getting everything going for Nabal. And even though he's a even though he's a bad guy, even though he is a complete dolt in terms of you can't speak to him. They're thinking, oh, this our master, our boss, you know, he's in a he's in a good mood. You know, everything's going great. We're 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 storing up more millions here to sell at market and so forth. But not Nabal. 
David's men ask kindly, and Nabal answers in verse 10. And the first thing that he does is he impugns or he attacks the very character of who David was. And y'all know who David was? He's a knight of God. He is, he, is a, he is the called man of God. He is the anointed king that's going to be king in not too many years from now. And everybody knows that. And not only that, you remember there was a little event that occurred when David was 15 or 16 years old. He's probably 25 or 24, 23 now. But there was a little event that occurred when he was about 16 that happened out on the battlefield there when this giant showed up. Y'all remember that? Everybody knew who David was. But not everybody, apparently, was that crazy about David. But you would think your own family would, would be enthusiastic. You know, I might get some blessings and some benefit one day. I'm the cousin of David, and when he's on the throne, hey, let's give him double. Let's give him two days' worth of our stuff that we've cut, that we've sheared here of the sheep. But not Nabal, because he's a complete fool. I want you to notice one of the characteristics about Nabal is he is not ashamed or embarrassed to cause a scene. He causes a scene here. Y'all understand? That's, that's the characteristics of a Nabal or a fool, to cause a scene. He says, who is David? He insults David. And not only does he insult David, he says, who is the son of Jesse? He even knew his dad. He insults his dad. You know, in high school, it was a no-no. It was an absolute no-no to tell mama jokes again, you know, among the football players or among the seniors or among the whatever. You didn't tell jokes about my mama. There was this one guy in high school that literally, if you told one too many mama jokes, he would fight you. <laughs> he loved his mama. I love my mama too. But mama jokes were a common thing, you know. Your mama this, your mama that, you know. And this is a daddy joke right here. He's not even a joke. He says, who is the son of Jesse? Jesse's a nobody. This is the guy that killed Goliath. This is the guy, listen to this, this is crazy. The reason that Nabal has what he has in part is because of what David did five or ten years ago. See, Carmel and Maon, they're over near the border of uh, the Philistines. You see? So the very fact that he is cutting down the character of David, that is the dumbest thing that you could do because what he had, the freedom that he had, was a result of what David had done. Now let me just chase a little rabbit here. There's people, there's Nabals going around today impugning the character of many of our historical figures. Okay? The his, let me just say this. The historical figures of our country are no different sinners than you are the Nabals of this world. They were people. They were not perfect. They didn't do everything right. To me, the fact that the past and the, the historical figures of the past were not perfect, to me, that's a testimony to the providential grace and mercy of God. That God can move things forward no matter what kind of sinner is sitting in the White House or sitting on some throne somewhere or sitting in the Senate or in the Congress. The Lord, can, the Lord is in control. You understand? But it's, like being, it's just like being a Nabal to say, well... You know, Jesse's nothing. You know, your historical ancestors are nothing. That is so Nabalish. That's so knavish. It's so foolish to say that. And furthermore, are we better than them? 
You know, are, have we risen to some level of above sin that we don't have sin within us? The very fact that that statement is those statements are being said indicates of how indicates how sinful we are as a society. You see, so Nabals have been around for a long time. They impugn or they attack the character of people. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? And then he goes on his rampage a little further. He, he doesn't mind. He's causing a scene here. Everybody's having a good time until Nabal stands up. I'll never forget years ago. This is a long time ago. 20 years ago. I can't believe it. 20 years ago. There was this fella. He was one of the meanest guys to his kids that I've ever seen in my life. Y'all don't even try to figure out who it is because you don't know. It's, it's, it's another lifetime ago. But I'll never forget... Every time you turned around, he was yelling at his kids. And one day we were sitting there eating in the fellowship hall. Everybody just having a good time. You're sheep shearing time. We're fellowshipping. We're having a good time. And all of a sudden we hear, bah, 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 bah. and the whole place just, woof, just went quiet. Looked around. Guess what? Oh, it's just Nabal yelling at his kids again. Not afraid to embarrass everybody. Let me tell you something. If you look in the mirror, young men, and you see you've got some qualities of Nabal in, in you, which we all do to some degree or another, it's time to repent. It's time to turn from that because that leads to nothing but embarrassment for all of those around you. You ever heard the old saying, if you don't have anything good to say, then just don't say anything. That's not how Nabal lived. He'd say whatever was on his mind. He didn't care who it hurt, who it touched, who it, who it stepped on. He didn't care because he's Nabal. He's a fool. And in his mind, listen to me carefully, from the psychosis of this, from the psychological standpoint, in his mind, he felt as though he was justified in saying whatever he wanted to say. Does that sting a little bit? <laughs> It stings me because I've, I've acted like Nabal sometimes in my life. It's my way or the highway. Well, wait a minute. My, my highway may not be, it may be full of potholes and rough. And it is when it's my way or the highway. Let's say it's God's way. It's God's way, not Nabal's way. Now, listen, here's the funny thing about this. It's not really funny. It's just sad. Nabal is, is the more he talks and the more he runs his mouth, he is, he is bringing forth a death sentence to his house. <laughs> the, the more he insults and the more he fumes and foams and snarls like a dog. He's just snarling like a dog. He's bringing a death sentence on his house. How many Nabals in the world today bring death sentences on their houses? You say, well, I, I don't know that it happened, fell out like Nabals did. You bring death to relationships. You bring death to fellowship. You bring death with the Nabals of this world. That's what they do. Now, old Nabal, you remember I told you work and worship and, and wisdom? He's got the work part down, doesn't he? He's a hard worker. He's a millionaire. He's out there in the trenches shearing sheep with his men. They don't go to the foreman and say, hey, do you think your boss would let us take some, you know, get, be given some of this stuff? No, they go directly to Nabal. He's there. He's got the work down. <laughs> but he sure doesn't have the worship down, does he? To speak to the anointed of God in this way? disdain him, insult him. Listen to me, young men. You remember I told you when we were doing the series on the young women. You know, it's, it's more about adjusting who you are than trying to find who he is. You understand that? You know, be the person that you want. Have the qualities that you're looking for in yourself. And that's like a magnet to someone who has those qualities, you see? 
So this is a lesson, not just about finding a wife. It's about really, if you think about it, it's like it's about finding yourself. Find who you are. Look in the mirror and say, I've got some Nabal qualities. Can somebody speak to you and you just just bite their head off? Then you're a Nabal. You say, well, that's just for the workplace, right? It can be at home, brothers and sisters. How do you respond, young men, when your mama says something to you? Your mama says, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. You better not. Especially if you're a little bitty fella, you're going to get some hurt on your backside. <laughs> but maybe you're a teenager. Maybe, maybe you're 50 years old like me and your mama says something. I need you to do this for me. And your natural tendency is like, oh, I ain't got time. I don't want to do this. I've got my schedule. Doesn't she know what I've got going on? Those are all thoughts of Nabal. Because <laughs> it's all about me. You get that? Y'all are so quiet today. Okay. This hurts me too, by the way, because I really don't want to preach about Nabal. Because when I look at Nabal, I see so much of myself in that. And I think, man, I, I, I get fly off the handle sometimes. I snarl sometimes. I bite somebody's head off sometimes. I do these things. And if you say, well, Brother Tim, you ought not be confessing those things. Well, you come up here and confess yours then. I'll let you, if you'd rather. We all have these qualities. We all have a Nabal inside of us. A man or woman, boy or girl. He is not afraid to cause a scene. And he is mean-spirited. You hear me? He's mean-spirited. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There be many uh, servants that break away from their masters. You see how he viewed David? He's just a servant. He should have said, isn't this guy the future king? You see, this is where Nabal fails the worship test. He does not recognize the Lord's anointed. He doesn't recognize that David is going to be the king. Oh, he's heard about it. He heard that Samuel anointed him. But uh, that'll probably never happen. Not only is he mean-spirited, he, he doesn't mind causing a scene. He's, he's mean-spirited. He's also stubborn. He's very stubborn. No, none of these servants intervene. Do y'all remember the account of Naaman the Syrian, the great general who was a millionaire too, in a sense, and he had leprosy, and he went to Eli Elisha and was going to be healed, and Elisha wouldn't come out and speak to him. He just said, go down and wash by the river. <laughs> and, and Naaman said, wash by the river, stamped his foot and went away mad. I'm not going to wash in that filthy Jordan River. I, I've got, we've got better rivers over there where I'm from to go wash in. See, he was bearing some Nabal qualities, was he not? Go tell the general to take his armor off and his outer garments off and wash in the filthy river? Are you kidding me? But his servants came to him. And they said, Master, don't you know if they, that if the prophet had asked you to go and climb a mountain or... You know, do some great feat, defeat some enemy of Israel? Don't you know if the master, if the prophet had asked you to do that, that you would have done it? You see, he was reachable. You hear me? He was reachable. And so they reached him. And he went back. And he went into the Jordan River. He said, okay, yeah, you're right. I probably would have done something great. This is nothing. He goes and dips down seven times and he comes out. His flesh was like a child. Wouldn't you ladies love that? Have to quit buying all that stuff that, that, that helps preserve you, all those preservatives that you buy. Wouldn't it be great if you could just dip down in the Jordan River seven times and you come out and your flesh was like a baby's again? 
Well, let me tell you something, and this is a total rabbit trail, but I want you to know that no matter how many age spots you get and no matter how much makeup you have to buy or how many preservatives you have to have, there's coming a time when all of that stuff will be gone. When the Lord resurrects you from the ground, you'll be even better than the, than the skin of a child. You'll be in a resurrected body. Isn't that glorious? I'm enjoying some of these little rabbit trails we're going on. I don't know about y'all, but anyway... He was mean-spirited and he was stubborn. You understand that whenever it became aware, whenever Abigail became aware of what Nabal had done, when one of the kind and loving servants went back just a few verses down from where we stopped about David girds on the sword and says, let's go kill them. We're going to wipe them out. When the servant comes and tells Abigail, she doesn't even go and tell Nabal what she's doing. Praise God. Now the legalists will look at that and say, oh my goodness. She violated subjection. She violated submission. You know, she should have submitted herself in all circumstances to her husband. Well, you go figure that out. I'm going to tell you how to figure it out. You have to inject the grace and mercy of God in a situation like that because Abigail did the right thing by not telling this Nabal what she was going to do because it was a matter of life and death now. You understand? And if some wife goes away and says, well, then I'm just going to start looking for matters of life and death, you know, where I can get out from under the, you know, the headship of my husband. Then you miss the point, too. You see, she doesn't even tell her stubborn, obstinate husband because he would have said, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? David is a nobody and his family are a bunch of curs and they're no good. And we're just just you're not going anywhere. He might have locked her up somewhere. A side note word about Abigail. It's very likely that Abigail was in an arranged marriage. You understand? You know, back in those days, let me tell you something. You young sisters and you young brothers, you need to thank God that we don't do arranged marriages like this anymore. (laughs) Because you don't know who you may wind up with. You have the prerogative. You have the option of asking God to guide you. And if you see too much, and if you see, well, this is just not, this is not going to work out, then praise God that you have the strength and the courage to say, no. Praise God. I've told my children this. And this is very good English from an English major. It ain't over till it's over. <laughs> you know, you may be walking down the aisle. You may be taking the last steps. And the feeling of impending doom comes over you. Well, there's the door at the back. I authorize my children to follow that path. If that's where the Lord leads them is, I don't care how much money daddy has paid for the wedding. I don't care. And I'm going to be paying a lot because i got a lot of girls. But anyway, it ain't over till it's over. Until you say I do, you can always refuse and back out. Abigail couldn't do that. You count your blessings that you can do that. Regardless of the embarrassment, regardless of having to eat crow, having to eat finances, regardless of that, you're talking about your future for the rest of your life. <laughs> the next 50 years of your life. And Abigail was living in a nightmare, probably because it was an arranged marriage. It looked good on the outside. He's a millionaire. He's got all these possessions. It's going to be good for her. It's going to be good for her family. It was a disaster. But she was still serving the Lord. Praise God. He was stubborn and he was obstinate. He was rude. Obviously, he was very rude to them whenever he spoke to them like he did. He didn't say anything kind. He didn't say anything loving. And not only that, it says that when the servants went back and reported to Abigail what he said, verse 14... He says, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. The word railed, the definition means to swoop down like a bird of prey. Y'all picture that. 
you know, like a hawk or some kind of eagle. He swooped, uh, Nabal just swooped down on them and just, and just started attacking them. You see? He was also very selfish. He had more goods and things that you could imagine. He wasn't going to miss one day's worth of sheep shearing. It's very selfish. He was very arrogant. And he was very clueless. He was clueless. And that's the way Nabals of this world are. Clueless. He was clueless about his future. Because he, had, he did not really, he did not perceive in his mind that he was bringing a death sentence on his house from the anointed king. Which I'm not saying that David was right in doing that. But nonetheless, the situation, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. But that's what's coming. David says, I'm going to kill every, every male in his house. I'm going to wipe them out. Which, you know, if you think about it too, Abigail goes and intervenes. It's very clear that David was just going to kill the men. She could have sat back and said, well, this is a pretty situation. This is a good way to get rid of this hard-headed, hard-hearted, cruel husband that I have. Not Abigail. Not Abigail. She intervenes. And so he was clueless. He had no idea that he was bringing death and judgment down upon his house. And by the way, he called evil good and he called good evil. That's still around today, is it not? There's people everywhere calling good evil and calling evil good. You know, they, they'll dress up things like abortion and say, well, that's a woman's right. You know, that's calling evil good and good evil. There's all kinds of things like that that go on. It was going on back then. You know, he, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There's many men, that, uh, servants that break away from their masters. And he was very selfish, as I said. He says, shall I take my bread, my water, my flesh, and that I've killed for my shearers and give it to men that I don't know where they come from. He knew where they came from. He knew the history of David. He's lying, see? And he's selfish. You notice how he says, my bread. Uh, he says, my water, my flesh, my shearers. This is a selfish individual. I want you to think about how foolish it was of Nabal to count David as worthless. But that's what Nabals of this world do. They count other people as worthless. This is the guy who single-handedly freed them from the Philistines. Brother Luke, I got you a Lord of the Rings quote. When I was thinking of Nabal, I think that Gimli, the dwarf from Lord of the Rings, had a little bit of Nabal in him. Y'all remember Gimli? Every time you'd get in a tight situation, you know, Gimli would speak up and say something that almost got all their heads cut off. <laughs> you remember that? Now, Gimli, he, he came out all right in the end. He was a hero, no doubt. But he had a little bit of Nabal inside him that he needed to fight. <laughs> We've all got a little bit of Nabal inside of us that we need to fight. Some of us may have a lot of Nabal in us that we need to fight. <laughs> Several weeks ago, Brother Asher and I were in one of our district courts. And it was a, it was a monumental day. It was a record-breaking day. <laughs> there was a guy that came and sat down, and I could tell that he was clearly under the influence of something. And he was there for being under the influence on a charge, you know, so... <laughs> Not a good idea if you're charged with being under the influence of something. Not a good idea to show up for court being under the influence of something. That is the classic Nabal. <laughs> Nobody's going to catch me. So the first one, I asked him, I said, okay, you know, can you pass a drug test? He was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, send them on. <laughs> drug test, arrested, put in the back. And that just kind of didn't set well with me. And so the next guy comes up that's charged with marijuana or DUI or something, you know. Can you pass a drug test? No! And we went, and this is probably, in a big city, this is probably nothing. They probably have 100. But this was the, I've been doing this for 20 years. And we had seven that day. Seven Nabals that failed a drug test, and they were in court for drugs or alcohol. 
And we were just running them out like, just like cattle. They were just coming through. And not only that, there was a husband and wife that went. <laughs> a husband and wife both charged with something, and they both had to go. Clueless, you see? And I told every one of them, I said, you don't show up for court to answer a charge for drugs with drugs in your system. You just don't do that, you see? Now, we can all sit there and say, yeah, boy, the court system took care of that. And, but understand, the point I'm trying to get to you is the Nabals of this world are clueless. They can't see the forest for the trees. They can't see it coming. You see? Now, this guy, Nabal, reminds me of the fellow that we read about in Luke 12 and 16. And I'll just mention that very briefly. You don't have to turn there. But this is the rich man where Jesus gave the account where it says the ground of a rich man brought forth plentifully and the rich man thought within himself. Now think about the mise here. Think about the selfishness here. This is just like Nabal. The rich man was getting richer and he says, what shall I do? Because I have no room wherewith to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Clueless, you see? There's a rich man very similar to Nabal in the Old Testament. He's railing on the anointed of God. He doesn't have a clue about worship. And he doesn't know that his judgment is right on top of him. It would have been quicker than it actually was. Go ahead and let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. You know, Abigail goes and intervenes to David the knight. We had not said a whole lot about David today. We might talk about him next time a little more. But David is the knight of God, the prince of God, the anointed of God. And he was coming to kill the men and boys of the house of Nabal. David is different than Nabal. You know why? Because David is reachable. Now listen to me very carefully, young ladies. I didn't say teachable. I said reachable. If you think in your mind, well, this guy that I'm dating, you know, he's got all this going on, that going on, bad qualities here, doesn't, maybe won't work, maybe doesn't worship, maybe doesn't this, or doesn't have any wisdom, but he's teachable. That's not what you want. <laughs> That's like saying, I'll fix him up. I'll, I'll go the fixer-up route, which never works. Never works. But the question is, is he reachable? Let me tell you something. If he's reachable, then he's teachable. If you think he's teachable, he's not reachable. But if you can reach him, then he can be taught. It may look like this. Well, you know, here's a young man that never went to church before in his life, and he starts dating you, young lady. If he's reachable, he'll go to church with you. Does that make sense? Okay, here's a young man who maybe came from a broken home. It happens. It happens all the time. And he's seen life from a car window. You know, traveling on the weekends, every other weekend here to see dad or mom, however it may go. You know, he's seen a different dynamic of life than maybe you have seen. Praise God, you've seen the biblical dynamic, I hope. And I'm not talking about perfection, but that's the way it looks. You know, a mom and a dad in a house together, that's the way it looks. And he thinks, well, this is the norm. You know, I'll just, if I can't, if we can't make it, I'll just take it or leave it. You know, that's the way a lot of people think. Because they've, they've come up in a house like that. Mom and dad just took it or leave, left it. Right? 
But if he's reachable, he can leave all that behind. See? If he's reachable. David was reachable. David is going to kill. You say, this is a serious situation. He's going to kill someone. And sweet Abigail comes and intervenes and she falls down before him with gifts that she has brought. And David's heart is just broken inside him. He said, blessed be this young woman. Blessed be you, Abigail, because you have intervened like you have and prevented me from making a big mistake. See, David was bearing Nabal qualities, was he not? I think that's a great lesson for us, isn't it? That you can be like David. Uh, You can have some Nabal qualities, but be reachable, you know? Over the years, I've had a few people just... I remember one situation where somebody was just really mad at me. Mad at me <clears throat> over something. Of course, I was right and they were wrong. No, I'm just kidding. But, but I don't even remember what it was about. But they were very mad at me. And they were railing on me. Just railing on me. And I, you know, and part of me inside started welling up and getting ready. Man, I want to swoop down like, a, like an eagle on this thing or like a bird of prey. But something else inside me just welled up. And I could feel the pricking of the Holy Spirit inside. And I lowered my, my head and I began to cry in front of that person. And it was not a fake. I felt the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that person had their finger pointed at me. Blah, 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 blah. And they, they stopped in mid-sentence. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> they didn't die. I'm not saying they died. <laughs> but their anger died. Their Nabal inside them died. And the next thing you know, we were hugging each other and rejoicing. Let me tell you something. You better listen to the Holy Spirit, young man, young woman, people of all ages. The Holy Spirit doesn't have its finger pointed out at you and condemning you and fussing at you. The Holy Spirit has its arms out saying, come to me, my child. He's like the father who watched the prodigal go off. And he stood there day after day after day watching to see if he could see his son coming. And the day that he saw him coming, you know he didn't go out there like a Nabal and say, I told you so, boy. I told you you'd lose everything. I told you you'd blow everything that you had in a short period of time. I told you there were no friends out there. Praise God the father didn't do that. No, the father went forward and laid his his arms upon his son who had been gone. And he said he was dead to him. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God. That's not the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of Nabal. David was reachable. Young ladies, you think about being married to a man like Nabal. You say, how am I going to know, Brother Tim? With that wonderful, incredible, amazing tool that God has put in your armory. He's put in in the list of the things that you have for armor. You know what it is? It's, It's the magic button. It's the magic tool. You know what it's called? Time time. Watch and learn. Listen to those around you. Find out what's going on with this young man or vice versa. Time is your tool. And yet at that age, I remember Sister Tracy and I were 25 when we met. I I really sound like a hypocrite up here talking about it because, you know, we met it. We were both 25 and we met and we're married eight months later. She didn't have time to see whether or not I was a Nabal. (laughs) She found out later. God help her. Well, let me tell you something, and I'll go on record here today. I may be a Nabal at times. Sometimes it wells up within me, and I say what I shouldn't say and do what I shouldn't do. Everybody's like that. But by God's grace and God's mercy, Sister Tracy, she knows how to reach me. I'm reachable. I'm reachable. 
I'll get all get my dander up and all saying I'm right and this is all this is the way it's going to be, and then I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror, and I think, what a fool you are, what a fool you are. Hang my head and go ball and cry for a while and say, come back and say, guys, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I've had to do that with my children before. <laughs> They'll tell you. Now, Daddy may get his dander up and may get all nabolish, but by God's grace, he'll come around. He'll come around. You want to be a knight or you want to be a knave? My prayer to you here today, to every young lady in this house, and those that may be absent today, maybe they'll listen to it later. My prayer to, for you today my sincere, heartfelt prayer because I love you and because I see the consequence of a Nabal in the life, in your life or in someone's life. My prayer is that you would find a knight and not a knave. One who will work. One who will worship. And one who has wisdom. Who will listen. Who is reachable. Who is hungry. Who has a desire to serve God by serving you. May God bless us all. Men, boys, Nabal's in there. He's in there. We've all got him. May we listen to the Holy Spirit and not to the Nabal within us and we'll be reachable. I hope that what I have said to you here today is taken in the spirit in which I intended it for, to be said which I pray is a spirit of love because I love you and I care about you. And remember, I've always said, when I've got that one finger pointing out there talking about this is the way we ought to be, I've got these others pointing right back at me. <laughs> I need this just as bad as any of you do. I believe the Lord's blessed us here this morning. I felt His Spirit. And there might be one or more here that the Spirit of the Lord has stirred in today to follow Him in New Testament baptism. I'm going to tell you what, if you feel any inclination whatsoever to follow the Lord in baptism, that is the Spirit of God speaking to you. And you ought to get up and do it. We'll turn to a song and sing. Let's turn to number 102. Number 102 as we stand and sing here in the vineyard.